We are going to continue this morning with a theme of simply Sabbath and what does it mean for us. Um, but what we are just about to experience from God's Word, it fits very well about uh, what we've just said. <coughs> talks about God's presence. We're going to be dealing with the story of the Old Testament this morning, and we know that how people of Israel messed around with God and His presence. We're going to be looking into a period where the story of the nation was in despair. You had the kingdom of Israel with twelve tribes divided. And this time you had kings that were put in the northern kingdom and in the southern kingdom and actually the, the worship of Yahweh was not something that was significant, it was just an option. Whereas the worship of Baal and other gods was something that was promoted and was something that um, actually people in those days lived for. And somehow, in the people of this, well, in a life of this people full of history and full of this majestic encounter with God, they've lost sight of who God is and what still He wants to do with His people. And in the midst of this despair, there are still people who are faithful to God. And God still is trying to reach out to the people through the prophets. We're going to be looking this morning at the passage which is very popular um, and um, it's coming from 1 Kings chapter 19. I think the passage that is most popular is 1 Kings chapter 18 when we've got um, prophet Elijah who is in Mount Carmel and he is basically challenging the gods of the of his people that they've, they've, they've brought to worship and he's summoning all these 850 prophets and he's saying that if you come and you're able to do this um, offering to, to God and if the offering sets on fire then um, I'll show you what my God can do and we know the story of Elijah. And I think this story is fascinating in itself because once again God shows his presence, God shows his power. What I want to be looking at this morning is not 1 Kings chapter 18. I'd like to look at the aftermaths of what happened in 1 Kings chapter 18. And it's 1 Kings chapter 19. Um, just to give you a little bit of background, Ahab and his lovely wife Jezebel was uh, the king and the queen of that kingdom. And um, they were so nasty that they not only had allowed bar worship, but they had allowed things to happen in life and in the culture for people to, to, to look away from God and to, 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 to be away from His presence. And Jezebel was a, a, a very nasty and ambitious queen and a very powerful queen. And was 
So it was a hiccup. If you, uh, this week I've been looking uh, at the 18th, first 18 chapters of First Kings, you look at the story of the kings, and it's, it's fascinating. And it's, the most fascinating thing is how their life and his, their kingship is defined by one sentence. They did nasty things in the sight of the Lord. But in the midst of this, we've got Prophet Elijah. He's just come off this big, majestic, significant life in the story of the people. A chance for them to turn their hearts to God. And let's read what happens. Could I have a volunteer please to read the 18 verses of chapter 19 of 1 Kings? Great. Mark, thank you. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, whilst he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down underneath it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread, baked over hot coals, and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And strengthened by that food, he travelled for forty days and forty nights, until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood 
manhood again. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your servants, your prophets, to death with the sword. And I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram. Also anoint Yehu, son of Nimshi, king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meloah, to succeed you as prophet. Yehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Yehu. Yet I reserve seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Amen. Have you ever waited for a fantastic parcel to come to the letterbox, and all of a sudden you have been given a brown envelope from the DVLA? <laughs> I think that's the kind of situation the larger is putting it in. He has just finished this big mission to have people of God and those who were worshipping idols to be put their focus back on God. And all of a sudden he's waiting for this kind of glamorous ceremony of kingship, oh, of knightship, sorry, where King Ahab and Queen Jezebel is going to say, well, Elijah's the prophet now. And all of a sudden he is faced with this letter where he's got 24 hours to flee. Otherwise, his head will be chopped off. This is the situation that this guy, the prophet, to whom James, in the book of James, calls it, he's like one of us humans. God is trying to reach out in the midst of the miracle, but also in the midst of threats. Simply Sabbath, what does this have to do with what we're about to consider this morning? Can we have the first slide, please? Um, the, the one with Sabbath 1 Kings 19, the Lord appeared to Elijah. Um, You can leave it there, it's no problem. Um, don't worry. 
Here we've got the guy, the man of God, who's just been exercising this great step of faith to trust God to show his power. And we know from the story of 1 Kings 18 that the case is that God has really shown himself. And yet, in chapter 19, we see a different side of the prophet. He had overestimated the king's courage and he had underestimated the queen's determination. Elijah had this big hope that the people will come to repentance, that they will just turn away, turn away from their God and they'll come to God. And he had this expectation that something would happen to find himself being given this letter that he needs to go. Otherwise, whatever happened to those 850 prophets, false prophets, is going to be happening to Elijah. So there is this sense of defeat. There is this sense of reading. What was it all about? And he decides to go on a journey which is 200 miles away. And there, it's very interesting because God is not done with Elijah. He's not done with his people. He's not done with you and me. And in that, in that action, God reaches out to him. Now, with simply Sabbath, we learned last week that it's got this, you know, the Sabbath has got this principle which is twofolded. First side, or one side of the principle, or one fold of the principle, is that actually it's this part of the cycle of worship, work, and rest. And the other side of this principle is that actually all the time belongs to God. So God is in control of everything. And we can sit back here and we, we could judge Elijah and we say, how would you do that? But there is a part of me, a big part of me that says, well, why wouldn't you do that if you saw the severity of Queen Jezebel and the seriousness of what she was about to do? But what was Elijah trusting? Who was he putting his trust onto? How was he dealing with, with this experience when actually he was God's prophet and just the, the day before he had seen God in action? But God has to give him a lesson. And it's very interesting how Elijah is about to learn the lesson in an unexpected way. And I just wanted to draw a few things out of the, of the things that I see in the passage that fit very well with, with what, we, um, what we are about to do. 
So I don't know if you remember last week we said that actually in our pursuit of Sabbath we've got a tendency and a temptation to, to, to manufacture counterfeit rests. So we, we do the escapism, we do the defeatism and we do the perfectionism of rules and stuff. This morning I'd really like to look at, at yes, I know that we, 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 we tend to do these things, but what about if we're in the middle of doing these things? What are some of the signs that we are not resting in God? What are the signs that we are not having that space to hear God? Now, last week I left you with a homework. I thought it would be good for us to be a challenge if we could set some time aside. I, said, I suggested an hour for us not to go with any agenda, not to go with anything, but just have an opportunity to, to look at Psalm 23 in a way that God is nurturing us. Would any, like, would any one of you like to share a little bit about the experience? Have you done your homework? <laughs> John, yeah. In 1980, I found the Lord who me, and I uh, went for a mission baptism, and a prophecy came from one of the people in the church who was assisting in the baptism and it was Psalm 23 and at time in my life I was going to a very difficult situation and, and last Sunday night I read it again and I read it again Monday and I read it Tuesday and Wednesday as well and during the week there was um, this um, great tragedy that was unfolding in London and I just I don't know if it's funny but I, I felt I came closer to the Lord this week by reading that song than I, than I have for quite a while and that uh, <coughs> um, the whatever's happening around us whatever is happening in our nation or globally uh, God is still there, God is still in charge, and God is going to lead us into new green pastures. Thank you, John. Anybody else? I met somebody this week, it was Wendy, and she said to me, I really tried to do that homework, she said, but I really struggled. It was really hard to concentrate and to eat that space. And I can identify with that actually because I tried that. And it's trying to, you know, as I was doing it, I was thinking, well, what am I going to share in my sermon? And I said, well, it's nothing to do with a sermon. It's just allowing that space for God to, 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 to speak over me, to speak over my life. Anybody else would like to share?
Now that I shared that it was very hard, really hard. I had sort of temptation as well. You sort of do it and you think, now what am I going to share? Give me some share, I want to make it worthwhile to justify me. You know? I suppose it was a bit more Aaron said. He's a good, good father. He's just remembering that for an hour or more. It was a revelation to me again. Thank you. Anybody else? Well, I'll keep checking next Sunday. Trusting that we'll allow that space to be listening. Okay. Yes, sorry. So I, I wasn't here last Sunday, and, and so I, I wasn't here in the lesson, so I couldn't be in the homework. <laughs> 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 That's why I haven't done the homework. Um, and I didn't, know, I didn't know the homework was set, but just in preparing the worship this morning, so th- this is kind of all news to me, but this is kind of God making connections. That phrase of you lead me to green pastures, that's what, that's, what was, that's what kept coming to me when I was thinking about worship. So I didn't realise you were doing that, but the two of you done it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that seems quite significant, actually. Maybe God is saying something significant to us about uh, you lead me into green pastures, maybe lie down in green pastures. Great. Um. <laughs> I did try the homework in really small sections, but actually it's not about that, it's about the psalm. This morning there was a, there was a service in Cardiff um, on the radio, and it just was when I turned the radio on, and the, the, very, the, 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 the song of music was the, the hymn. So it resonates well. So I think I, I really when I said when actually last Sunday, I really believe that one of the reasons why we're doing something is because I've got this pastoral concern, but I've got also this conviction that there is something for us as individuals, as in the church, to endorse. So let's go back to our homework. For all of us, uh, I'm saying this. Um, Going back to Elijah, I just wanted to draw our attention in three areas where we see ourselves as signs of not resting in God, as signs of not being prepared to listen to what he says. One of them is discouragement. I think it's very clear that Elijah has, you know, lost, losing heart on what was going on, saying, well, how, how come that, you know, God has given me this task, and how come people are not responding when he wanted this, this fantastic response for people to repent? And it's very easy, or it's very interesting, how easily we get discouraged 
And it's very interesting, what are the things that discourage you and discourage me? People is one of the things that discourage, discourages us. They let us down. Our family lets us down. Our church lets us down. Brothers and sisters let us down. And it's, it's so interesting how that, that little discouragement becomes an avalanche of something that is bigger. And if we're not able to deal with that, I think that doesn't put our hearts and minds at rest. And therefore, that hinders us to listen and to do what God has been asking us to do. Now, if Elijah would have continued with the same power and the same prominence as, it, as he had just a day before, his immediate reaction would have not been panic. His immediate reaction is that if God was able to honour his name in the sight of 850 prophets and the king and other people, he will continue to do so even though my life is at risk. Now, it's very easy for me to say that because I'm not in Elijah's shoes. But if we could have followed that, that, that flow of thought, they were saying, well, Elijah didn't have to do that. But because he saw of what happened, it was very imminent how the discouragement withered him, his faith in God, his faith in his fellow citizens, and his faith in himself, and just made him run away for his life. The other thing that it's very clear in this passage is, is the impatience. And it's, it's very... I think... Again, I don't want to sound very judgmental towards Elijah, but it's, it's, it's this thing that you, you do because you're in a world mood. And signs of impatience are good signs or symptoms to say that we are not prepared to wait and hear what God is going to do. Now, impatience, we all struggle with it. I've got big issues myself with impatience because you come to the point of saying, well, I'd rather do it myself or I'd rather give it a, a quick solution on the spot. I'd rather be God in this situation than let God take charge and do it. And this is exactly what's happening with Elijah. He's been presented this letter, and instead of going on his knees and saying, God, what do we do with this? He's got a solution. Because he's in panic mode. And the other thing that is very easily done is isolation. And I think, again, when we're talking about Sabbath, when we're talking about this, this coming way, we're not talking about being isolated from the people of God. No, we're not talking about being isolated from one another. 
But it's, it's making sure that we've got this time set aside to wait and hear what God is doing. Whereas what's happening with Elijah is this absolute isolation. He goes, he runs away, he doesn't meet with anybody, and he's just on the run until he gets tired, until he gets waking up, until he gets fed and nurtured and nourished, until he's being prepared to face the rest of his journey. Isolation, perhaps is easily said with the word, I can't be bothered. Perhaps is an action of saying, I've tried so many times and it doesn't seem to work. So my best solution is, I'll withdraw and then let themselves themselves out. When actually God has given you and me something very big to do. So, in saying this, I know that the tendencies and the temptations was to do uh, other things, and I know that the signing of the site, and I'm not sitting here to say that I'm an expert on stress and all those things, but I'm just saying that these are some of the signs that we see in Elijah. And we can learn from that. Because one thing is very true. And I, I want to repeat it again, that James says that Elijah was a human like us. And I think as a church, as individuals, I think we've got some work to do on the area of discouragement, on the area of impatience, and on the area of isolation. Especially in this day and age where the culture promotes and encourages us to live our own individual lives and not let anybody mess around with it. But there is an invitation there. And the invitation is not in the extraordinary for the Elijah has just seen the other day. It's not in the whirlwind, it's not in the earthquake, it's not in the fire, but it's in the mere whisper of God. Elijah, what are you doing here? Twice. says, oh self-pity, I am the only one left, there is nobody else, and all these other people have totally turned their back, but I am the only one who has remained, and he just goes back to his lonely, you know, aloneness. And God says again, Raja, what are you doing here? All the bars, those 7,000 people. What about Obadiah? What about me, who's got a calling for this nation 
and is going to take it through regardless how unfaithful or faithful this nation is. The invitation, I'm afraid, is again to trust. And that invitation is for you and me this morning. The invitation is again to explore who God is and what needs to be done. What does He want you to do? Elijah, there is work to be done. Go and carry on appointing prophets and kings. Elijah, what are you doing here? Go back. Renew what you stood for just 40 days ago. Because I am in charge. Because I am God. And you reminded us, else you die, all sufficient one. So, the invitation is for you and for me. Can we have the last slide, please? <coughs> the purpose of Sabbath is not simply to rejuvenate yourself in order to do more production. Nor is it for the pursuit of pleasure. The purpose of Sabbath is to enjoy God, life in general, what you have accomplished in the world through His help, and the freedom that you got in the Gospel, the freedom from slavery to any material objects or human expectation. The Sabbath is a sign of hope that we have in the world to come. So I thank you Lord that we can learn from Elijah this morning. And you still call us to go to those green pastures and enjoy your nurturing Rescue us from our self-pityness. Rescue us from our individualism and isolation. Lord, through your Spirit, you've promised us that the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Help us, Lord, to experience that this week. And if we have lost, well, if we have faced discouragement, Lord, I pray that today you'll reach out to us. And you'll encourage us through your Holy Spirit.